Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for the show. And today I have my sister in Christ and new friend, Lindsay Carlson. Uh, welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us about your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the ministry projects you're working on? Absolutely. So first, I'd, I'd say family. I can tell you I'm married to Kyle. We've been married about 19 years. And we've been in ministry our entire marriage. So we were in ministry together before we even started dating. So that's kind of, that's been our whole life together. And it's my favorite thing. I'm so, so thankful for that um, element Mm. of my life. Uh, We have five kids and our oldest is 18 and she's our only girl. And then fun fact is that we have four boys behind her and they are about to be 16 and then 13, 11 and six. So, um, Our house is loud and rowdy and fun and filled with boy noises and stinky feet. And (laughs) it's a party all the time. You forgot the smelly um, shirts. Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I feel like as we're getting into the teenage years, things are getting stinkier and stinkier. So we just we entered the mad world of football um, this fall for the first time. I mean, I grew up in Texas, but my brother and I were not big sports people. And so this is the first time we ventured into it. And it is a totally different level of smells. So um, that's been a a really exciting, fun new season. Um, But we we actually just moved back to Texas. Um, So I grew up in Texas, but we moved to the Mid-Atlantic about seven years ago to plant a church with the North American Mission Board. And so we were in Baltimore for seven years and had um, a very sweet church that um, we love dearly. And uh, we just, I think during COVID, we felt the the calling to be back home closer to family. It was much harder to travel back and forth and our kids were getting older and it was really hard to be so far away from nieces that were being born and all the things. So the Lord in his kindness opened up a door and we are back in the great state of Texas. Yeehaw. And (laughs) we live uh, just east of Dallas in Greenville, Texas. And so we're at a Southern Baptist church um, in Greenville, Texas. And my husband's a senior pastor. And so my ministry has always gotten to kind of like dovetail very nicely with his because um, I've just kind of gotten to slide right into just loving and encouraging women within the local church um, wherever we've ministered. We worked in Houston for 10 years um, early in ministry, 10 or 12 years. So um, I've just always enjoyed equipping women through small group Bible study, one-on-one discipleship, um, teaching larger group discipleship, um, things like that have been really fun. So writing has given me a way to say um, things more concisely so that I don't ramble and talk forever and ever. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I I have, I have that gift too. So yeah. I can talk to a wall. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the question is, is, do you like TCU or do you like the university of Texas? Oh, that, yeah. So that's a safe question. I can answer that. And Texas A&M. Okay. Now you've made it complicated. I know. I know. 
it, before it was safe. So at TCU, I grew up going to TCU games. So I have a loyalty yeah. in my heart toward TCU and some of my very favorite humans on the planet graduated from TCU. So I yeah. have a loyalty to them. But my brother is my blood and he did graduate from Texas A&M. So okay. I, I feel like I have to be loyal to both of those universities. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I, I I choose no dog in that one. That's why I, I went to that, a small. Yeah. exactly. I went to a small private Christian college, so yeah. I don't have to fight that. I don't have to yeah. put any stickers on my car. I can just you know say yeah. I claim the name of Jesus, and we're all good. Amen. And I'm just from the Pacific Northwest, so I can choose wherever I want. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. As long as you're supporting the Astros, who you know. Yes, actually, I do. Swept. Even though I even know this episode beat, will be later. Yeah. But I'm prophetically yeah. hoping that they will have swept the World Series. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, you guys beat time. my you guys beat my Seattle Manners. So you know. Oh, well. I've been I've been a fan for a little while. Shh, don't tell anybody. Oh wait, oops, so the cat's out of the bag. Darn. Oh well. Anyways, well, uh, you have this you have this new book. It's not so new now, but you know, um, a better encouragement trading self help for true hope. Tell us why you wrote this, and you know, maybe a little bit about how it's being received. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I wrote this book. It was, it's actually, it's so funny how the Lord plans um, unfold. So I actually wrote this book while we were living in Maryland and we were church planting and it was somewhat, the Lord had pulled us out of this um, Bible belt kind of culture that we had grown up in. And I was very used to the church in Texas, the churches in Texas, that um, it was very easy to connect with women in there were a, an abundance of women's Bible study groups. There were an abundance of voices of influencers that were teaching um, biblical concepts um, efficiently or non-efficiently. Um, and I think I was hearing things that sounded very Christian all the time. Like it was very accessible. But then I moved to Maryland and in Maryland, uh, I found that a lot of women worked during the day. And so suddenly I was in this very different culture where I was home as a homemaker and all of my friends were working during the day and all of my friends that worked during the day loved Jesus. And we had to figure out how to connect to one another. And we had to figure out how to speak the same language. And I realized how much of the language that I had been speaking as a believer was formed by cultural cliches, kind of by culture, just saying things like, oh, you've got this, or, you know, I'm sure tomorrow is going to be a better day. You'll have, you know, things that like we can kind of recognize, okay, that's probably not the best Christian encouragement, but things that were even um, assumed that were deeper than that had kind of infiltrated like how we speak to each other. So when you think about speaking to each other as Christians and songs and spiritual hymns and Psalms, like we've kind of skipped over that and gone, okay, well, what sounds more popular to the ear? So when my friend comes to me at the end of a really hard day at work and is grieving over the fact that she doesn't get to be with her child or whatever it might be that she's struggling with, how can I encourage her as someone who's had a very different upbringing, as someone who's maybe has a very different daily life right now, but we have the exact same encouragement through Christ. And so it really made me start to dig into scripture and say, what are we actually craving when women say, I feel so discouraged and I need help and I need encouragement. What is it that we're actually yearning for? Because I don't think that we're super skilled always within the church at actually encouraging women in ways that are 
biblical and that actually compel them toward the good good news of the gospel. So that is kind of, that's a long way of answering. That's how it, the, the desire kind of stirred in me. But then I think real practically, I think, you know, when you start writing and you're writing books, you're kind of, I am always writing four to 10 books in my head at once. Like I can't not do that. Um, just because I'm a fast thinker. So like, I want to think about all the things and you know, turn them over. And encouragement was one of those that just was on the burner kind of all the time. I was always thinking about it. But I think that what really lit it into an actual published book was the fact that I was in a period of massive discouragement because Mm. it was just lonely, like moving to a new place where I didn't have my family, didn't have all my friends that I, you know, raised little kids with. And I had to face in the mirror, the, the understanding that I was discouraged and I felt not encouraged in the ways that I had been used to being encouraged by like people and just the tangible ways that are easy to go and retrieve for myself. And so, um, as I started to confront that, the Lord started to unfold like, Oh, Lindsay, look how much rich depth of wisdom and understanding and comfort I have in the word. If only you would look for the right encouragement in the right place. And so, um, he allowed me, I would say God allowed me to write this book. And it's really been such a strong encouragement for me and my faith. Um, I'm, I really feel like I'm the beneficiary in this. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I identify with a lot of that because, you know, we can, we can just kind of just say the right things and, but do we, do we really mean them? Um, and then, you know, like you're, you're, oh, you, you got it, you know, just power through it. I mean, Exactly. So, and then you're, and then you're like later, like, what was, why I, did I say that? Ew, that's gross. That's gross. Yeah. Like, I don't well, actually and it's think even, that. Yeah. It's just so much easier to offer people a compliment or an affirmation that sounds good because in the pressure of that moment, we want to say the right thing. And we want to say the thing that, that pays off. Like, so if someone is sad, we want to say, oh, I'm sure that the Lord has a special blessing in this. You'll see this any day, you know, but like, what if they're in a period of trial and the Lord is testing their faith and has different purposes? Like, are we prepared to equip with the kind of encouragement that the Lord might offer to his people? Or are we just settling for these very shallow platitudes? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that it takes a lot of like thinking about our words and considering um, the things that we're saying to one another, which we're not always great at because we just talk and the Bible does say a lot about that. It does. It's that. shocking. It's sho- yeah, it is. Yes. Uh, like Proverbs and James mm-hmm. and on and on. Yeah. Well, why do you think so many Christians are drawn to the kind of encouragement found in self-help books? I think because we would much rather help ourselves because we can do it on a timeline that we control. So if I know that I struggle with a specific area of my Christian walk, And I think that I can walk past a book on the bookshelf at a local bookshop and think, well, if I read this for the next two weeks, I can add A plus B and get C, then I'm going to do that, right? It's very motivating to think that we have control over a situation. But if you introduce the concepts of sanctification and begin to think of it biblically of like, oh, this is going to actually take a lot of like reflection and humility before the Lord and understanding of the ways that I need to be repentant and the ways that I need to confess my own sin and the ways that the Lord needs to grant me understanding and all of the grace that I'm going to now depend on to walk this, this road. There are so many more tools that we need in our tool belt that we are not capable of going and retrieving for ourselves. So self-help is a very, very um, like 
Home Depot do-it-yourself DIY, you know, version of sanctification that we prefer because we can get what we want in a faster, cheaper way. But if we really believe that grace is not cheap, then we have to believe that the patient enduring and suffering through hard things and patiently waiting and being encouraged by the saints that surround us by actual encouragement. It's like biblically strengthening and helping us to gird up our loins and to endure trial. That's the kind of encouragement that Christians were longed to be spurred on by. Mm, it's really good. Yeah. This is one of the things that concerns me the most. When did you look at the top Christian books from the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know where he's going with that, but like you look at them and it's so discouraging because you see all these self-help books and you see us gravitating as a people towards this like and it's like my concern is okay we have to then you look out at you look at the statistics from the arizona christian university and the gallup pool and i mean i pay attention to these things and it just makes me wonder like okay so we'll give the benefit of the doubt we'll say that we have the right faith you know perhaps which i mean the statistics kind of question put a big question mark on that but we'll just go with that but then the, pra the practice, where's where's the practice? And that's Absolutely. Where I, that's where I'm just like, I think where people go and they're drifting towards for this self-help is because they just would rather, like Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, they'd rather have their ears tickled than mm -hmm. you know anything else. So, Well, and if we think about like narrow is the way to, to life, right? I mean, so the wide road is paved with opinions and topics that are self-help related and ways to make yourself feel better faster. And if you just have more money or a better job or a better marriage, then everything in your life will be better. But those are lies. And so we have to learn to discern what is good and true, but we're not going to be learning what is good and true by filtering through an Instagram filter, just, you know, with a finger flying through things. And so what it actually takes to be able to begin to discern the truth from error is to regularly be camping and meditating in the word of God. And I so often hear women say things like, I just don't have time to be in the word. I'm so tired or, you know, my life is so busy and so full and I don't have time for scripture. And, you know, or like I skipped church because I was so tired, you know, different things like this. But if we really believed that the encouragement that would fuel us for life was found in the word of God, we would only have time for that. And so I think you have to go back to a deeper level of questioning, like, why do we not necessarily believe in practice that the word of God is actually living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword? Because we don't necessarily equate. In fact, there's even actually been a lot of tearing down, I think, of scriptural encouragement over the years as people have um, cautioned Christians against um, cliche encouraging, uh, cl cliche encouragement in the way of saying like a Bible verse, using a Bible verse as a bandaid. So I think, again, I totally understand that there is a way that we can use bandaid Bible verses and we can hurt people. But I think that if we're doing it with wisdom and skill and grace and through the, through the Holy spirit, I think that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and just stop using scripture to speak the words of life into people because they are the words of life. And mm -hmm. so if we cut them out and use the words of Instagram or the words of influencers, we're no longer providing living water. We're providing like 
nothing, empty calories, right? Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Because, I mean, there is a caution. We do have to be careful about how we handle the Bible, but we shouldn't at the same time, like you're saying, just be all concerned and all consumed with cherry picking the Bible. Because I, I think that goes back to motivation. Like, if you're just quoting the Bible to help somebody and you're saying, hey, whatever, blah, 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 uh, don't grow weary in doing good. You're you're trying to encourage them. You're not trying to mishandle the Bible. You're just trying to take the Bible and apply it to the specific situation. So I, I think that's really good. And I think so much of the, you know, the you're right that it's like the reason behind, like, what is the motivation? Because I think the reason we say to someone, don't give up or hang in there is because we want them to endure what's hard that's going on, right? So there's nothing wrong in encouraging somebody by saying, hey, keep doing what you're doing. I know this is hard. But how much more effective is it when we pair it with the fact that like, actually Christians have been struggling for centuries with persecution and hard things. And actually Paul prepared us for facing trial after trial and stoning and beating and death. You know, so yes, I know that your laundry feels really overwhelming right now. And I know that juggling kids in four or five different sports or whatever it might be feels makes you feel crushed and persecuted and pressed down. But because we have the word of God, we know that we have a better hope than getting to practice on time. We know that we have a better hope than, you know, being the perfect soccer mom that makes all of the games or makes snacks for the whole team, you know, but so it's as Christians, we have to learn to not just um, be able to like Google search a Bible verse that we can be like, oh, that sounds like you need this verse, but we need to be able to apply it skillfully in a way that meets the need of the moment for their heart. And I think that that is a spirit endeavor, right? It requires the Holy Spirit's wisdom and guidance to say, man, that person really sounds like they're struggling with a sense of like their identity is and what other people think of them or their source of identity is improving themselves to their husband or whatever that might be. It has to be biblical wisdom that is addressing the problem just the, in the same way that Jesus did for his disciples. It's mm, really good. How can we help Christians to be more drawn to the encouragement found in the scriptures and the life of the church than in the self-help movement? Great question. So I think there are a couple of ways that are practical. I think, first of all, just recognizing the need for biblical encouragement in your own life and in the lives of others, that um, there is that there is that tendency to naturally pull, even people that love Jesus, it, there's a natural tendency to just go the way of the world and to say the thing that you know that they want to hear, like, oh, I'm sure you'll have a baby, or like, I'm sure God has a, the perfect spouse for you because we think that sounds encouraging. I think the first thing we we do is make a choice to be very intentional about what we offer to people as living hope and water. Um, we want to serve living water with our words. So I think that that would be the first thing. I think the second thing to do would be to um, be intentionally in the word on a regular basis, which I know sounds so basic and you know practically Hey, I say I say all the time on this show. So, you know, you have to, because yeah. I think sometimes that we just forget. We think I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. Nobody needs to tell me to read my Bible. But it's like, yeah, they do. Actually, if I go two or three days and have gotten too busy, that's on me. That's not necessarily like 
that I have become too smart and I no longer need to be in the word. And I mean, I just this morning, my husband and I were having um, a conversation. He was walking into a difficult situation in a counseling situation and we were discussing how to handle it. And um, he was leaving for work and he said, Hey, when I get home, let's talk about this. And, and as soon as he walked out the door, I thought, how dare I speak a word until I have opened my Bible and I have looked at the scripture for myself this morning and asked the Lord to speak to me and tell me how to encourage my husband in the word. And so I opened the Bible, but was not rocket science to where I would have read at, if I had done my normal reading at 9 a.m. instead of, you know, 7 a.m. I opened my Bible. I read what was allotted for the portion today. And it was beautiful the way that the Lord encouraged my heart to say, Lindsay, you are a helper. Go and help your husband in this specific way. Encourage him to press into the Lord. Ask him for wisdom. Don't try to come up with it yourself. And all I had to do was just show up. So I think assisting other people, um, I mean, assisting ourselves, right, to scripture, helping ourselves to scripture on a regular, ongoing basis, but then also helping others stand up and walk to the word. Because I think so much of it is like we're trying to subsist on leftover bread and crusty manna is not going to give us good food that nourishes our spirit for the day. We need it every day. And so uh, I think that's the, the other obvious one. And then I think that ultimately as a church, look at who you can encourage, who is the Lord asking you to encourage within your own body of believers? Because I think sometimes like it's real easy to get kind of um, distracted ADHD about like, Oh, so-and-so's on my Facebook. I can, I'll encourage them and I'll encourage this person over here and I'll encourage this person. And we can get kind of like um, distracted by who it's fun to encourage instead of being aware of who is in our immediate sphere of life. So every day when I go to the mailbox, I bump into the same mailman. Every day when I pick up my kids, I run past the same lines of teachers. Every day, I go to, you know, every time I go to church, I bump into the same people that deal with the same kinds of brokenness day after day. I know how to encourage them because I am aware of their brokenness because I am in church with them. So those are the kinds of ways that I think that like, if we're just all as believers living with an, a heart that is attuned to how can I speak words of life to my fellow believer? Um, I think that the church would be a much more encouraging place. We would be less um, condemning and like looking to kind of constantly uncover sin in other people's lives and more on the lookout for what the Lord is doing and at work in people doing that we might get behind and spur on. Yeah. Like the New Testament says over and over more and more. Yeah. That is a work that takes attention to detail and attention and wisdom of knowing how to apply the scriptures in order to uplift and build up the body of Christ. No, that's, that's really good. I like all that kind of tying it together throughout the week, you know, do everything that you're saying to, so that when you're there on Sunday, you can be that encouragement to somebody and find people, you know, like if you're in a small group, find those people, ask them how your, their week is, get to know other people, shake their hand, hold the door. I mean, there's any innumerable, you don't necessarily have to say a bunch of words to anybody holding the door could be an encouragement because it could give them a smile on their face. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Really and, and it's like with the gospel, you know, like people will say like, oh, well, sure. The gospel can be an action, but also sometimes it needs to be in words, you know? So I think we do it with all of our being, right? So we do do it and showing up and doing small tasks, like being the door greeter at church. But I think we also can encourage people by 
just being there to know them. And I think that we live in a very, or at least I feel like I live in a very fast paced culture where if I am not very, very cautious, I am always being pushed to the next thing that I have to get done. And I feel a sense of urgency. And when I live with a sense of urgency, I don't have the bandwidth to slow down and listen to what people are saying to me and to be present in their pain and to then figure out, gosh, what is the, what what is the need that they are expressing here? And Lord, how can I meet that need with, with a word that's rightly timed from your word Mm -hmm. and, and care for them and show them love. And so, so much of that is just relational presence and care. And so if we're always in a hurry, we don't ever seem like we're open to caring for others. We just seem like, oops, I bumped into you. So I, I should probably say something like, oh, did you get a haircut? That looks so cute. That's not the kind of encouragement that we're talking about. We're talking about encouragement that says like, oh, I know your spouse died last week. How can I help you this week? How can I pray for you? Or to see a need that they might not even know how to express, I will frequently tell people how I'm praying for them. Um, so if it's something that they might not have been able to articulate or ask for, for the Lord, from the Lord, I might say something like, Hey, this trial seems like it might be really challenging this week. I'm going to pray that the Lord would give you endurance to wait with patience on answers. And, or I'm going to pray that the Lord might give you comfort while you're grieving and that he would give you people in your life that understand exactly what that tangible comfort looks like, because I sure don't, but I know that he's equipped the body with people who do Um, just expressing those things, I think can be so tangibly helpful to people to, to know like, Oh, they didn't just say like, Oh, Hey, I saw you today. They actually saw the heart needs in me today. And they are actually lifting me to the father Mm. because they care for me. That's encouragement. Yep. That's really good. You're right. We do we do not typically expect enough of our encouragement. What do you what do you mean by that? Um, so I think that uh so frequently I hear women say things like, I just really don't have anyone in my corner. There's just nobody encouraging me. Or things like, Oh, you know, well, she she has this friend group and like her people are there for her and they get her. And so I think that what we're looking for in often when we say we don't have encouragement in our lives or or we might say, I just, I just never feel encouraged. My husband's never encouraging or my best friend's never encouraging, or they're so self-centered. They're never thinking about me. And we say these things, whether we say them out loud or just kind of think them in our head, we, we are able to assess how much encouragement we feel like we are receiving, Mm. but I don't know how often we think of the quality of what we are receiving. So if my regular expectation is that to feel filled and to feel um, settled and sure and steady anchored to, to the hope of the gospel. I need, you know, 2.1 friends or whatever that know me intricately and are in my daily life every day. I need to be getting texts from this parent and I need my kids to be fulfilling these needs. And then I will feel encouraged and on top of things and I will feel mm-hmm. sure and steady in my faith. And so when we don't feel sure and steady in our faith, we will often point to a lack of encouragers like, well, my church just isn't really very encouraging or my church isn't supporting me or my husband doesn't understand my pain. And so he's not able to encourage me in this really hard trial. Instead of going, why has the Lord allowed me to feel 
discouraged? Why has the Lord allowed me to be in a place of such utter need and brokenness and allowed me to feel want? Because the psalmist is very specific about crying out to the Lord and saying, like, where does my help come from? He feels abandoned. He says he's abandoned. And we're kind of like in stuck in this um the cultural niceties of saying, well, I'm just, I just need better encouragers in my corner. And that's a nice way of saying, I feel the Lord has abandoned me and I don't know what to do about my lack of faith. Mm. Um, And so when we have those and we're honest about it, we allow and invite the Lord to confront kind of our deepest insecurities and fears and longings that exist in our soul by stripping away the language that makes it cute and just saying, I need the Lord. I need his help. I need to help. Um, I need him to help me understand why I'm so sad or why I'm so broken or why I feel alone. And then we invite the Lord to come in and to speak encouragement into our lives through his word. And then as we start to see him, how the Lord uses encouragement in his word for his people and specifically for people who are the people of promise. Like that's a really important thing that I think like when we say we don't, when I say we don't expect enough of of our encouragement, it's often because we are looking for encouragement, like the same kind of encouragement that you find in the world. And as believers, we have this whole other category of supernatural encouragement that is accessible for us. And we like don't even tap into it because we're like, well, there's all this stuff over here. You know, we go shopping on the grocery aisle and pick it up for ourselves when we could be running to scripture and letting the Lord's words speak supernaturally into our being. And so I think we, by expecting more of our encouragement, we -hmm. say, you know what? The Lord actually has good and better encouragement for those who are following him and have confessed to believe by faith in Christ and the resurrection, we have a better hope and a better encouragement in Christ Jesus. And so I actually prefer to get better equipped and understand that encouragement than any encouragement I'm going to find in a self-help book or from some Instagram influencer. I actually want to understand the words of Jesus so that I feel encouraged. And I think it's just, I think we can't begin to expect more of our encouragement until we can be honest about the fact that we feel discouraged sometimes and we're not expecting the Lord to actually come through and provide us with encouragement. Yeah. And and as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, this kind of takes us back to what you said earlier about being an encouragement to your husband. I mean, I think about my wife, she'll, she'll does this really well. You know, she'll ask me some questions and be like, you know what? I got something to tell you. I'm like, Oh boy. Brace you know, put on my put on my mouth mouthpiece, body gear, and yeah. buckle up because she's got yeah. something to tell me that. Well, and fun. you know that's a that's a really good point because I think that sometimes we kind of always assume that encouragement should feel like a hug. You know, yeah. we always think that encouragement should be like, oh my gosh, Dave, you're such a good guy. You do such a good job on all your work. Like now, come home and have this wonderful dinner that I prepared. You know, instead of saying. Hey, Dave, the Lord has really equipped and strengthened you in these particular ways that you seem to really come alive in. And I want to encourage and equip you to run in the ways that the Lord has wired you to run. And what would, what would that look like? You know, I mean, if we really got down to like, who are the people in our lives that we feel most encouraged to obey the Lord because of their words? You know, I mean, sometimes their words feel 
painful. Like you just said, it feels like you need to armor up and put on body gear. (laughs) And sometimes it feels sweet and gentle, but it's like the discipline of the Lord never, you know, it's, it's never going to seem pleasant. Right. But it can be encouraging in a way that is saying, Hey, obey God. There are good gifts for obedience. Get up, run the race with endurance persevere by faith. Those are all encouragements that may feel uncomfortable if we'd rather lay on the couch and watch Netflix all day. But I sometimes need to be encouraged like, Hey, Lindsay, get out of your head. You need to stop moping. Like it's a gloomy day outside, but this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it and have a friend that can pick me up by the hand and be like, Hey, what can we do today to bring glory to God and just switch our mindset? Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's reading scripture together. Maybe it's listening to a worship song, but we need friends in the trenches like our spouse, like our friends that help us suit up, you know, for the good work of ministry and the good work set before us. Yeah. I think the other thing, and I'd be interested to hear what you have to say too, is I think, I think we have an unhealthy fear of man. We're so afraid of like, Hey, this person's going to judge me. They're going to think so little of me if I, say what I really think, even even if I'm meaning it to be an encouragement, you know, like speak the truth in love, which is a command. We're, we're I think we're afraid of, okay, well, that person isn't ever going to talk to me again. It's like, how do you know that? Are, are you the, are you their like personal Holy Spirit? Are you the Holy Spirit? Um, and I, I think there's a real fear in that. Yeah. In Galatians where, it, um, where Paul says, have we begun to please man again? Or are we working under the Lord? You know, um, I, I think that we often get so trapped in um, because there are so many voices right now in our in our society on podcasts and articles and, you know, every single thing that the Lord uses for so much good also comes in with noise, you know. And so I think so much of it, when you hear so many noisy voices saying, Hey, Christians, here are all the terrible things that you've done with God's word. Here are all the terrible things that the church has done at, you know, in the hands of evil, wicked people. We get nervous as people who genuinely want to walk in holiness and righteousness before the Lord. We go, Oh my gosh, there's 8,000 ways that I could sin against my brother. And instead of following and obeying the Lord and walking in his wisdom and giving ourselves the grace to mess up, we go like, I'm probably going to botch this. So I'm just going to set this one out. And, and that you're exactly right. That's fear of man. And so I think that we have to kind of train our brains to say, to recognize what's happening in those moments as, Hey, it is right to feel caution in how you speak into someone's life. Your words have meaning and power. It's right to feel that caution, but it is wrong to then say, so I will close my mouth and sit down. If I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, encourage the brothers. So if we're looking at the way that Paul frequently encourages throughout the New Testament or the way that Jesus encourages the disciples, we see that sometimes encouragement even just means asking questions. Like, what do you want? What do you want? Sometimes we don't even know. And so encouraging self-reflection sometimes might be the way to go. But sometimes we're not going to know what to say to encourage people. And in fact, I should say a lot of the time we won't know what to say to encourage people. So I think if your bar in your in your head is always to be like, well, I'll I'll spend more time encouraging people when I feel more confident about what I'm going to say. I think you will never begin to encourage people because you will always sit on the sidelines. I think it's Mm -hmm. something that you have to ask the Lord to do a work in your heart 
And then I think you have to begin to just jump in and say, put me in coach and start getting into the game of equipping the saints by building one another up with the word of God. And I think as you do that, you're right that sometimes you will say something that's stupid or foolish and hindsight will be very clear, you know, and that's those times for repentance. And that's those times to say, you know what? I know that me saying the scripture to you was not sinful, but I recognize it may not have been the most sensitive way to to frame that. So will you forgive me? And do you know that like sometimes repentance and confession actually build much stronger, healthier relationships than just like, I always say the right thing to you and you always say the right thing to me. Like we have to learn how to bear with one another kindly and patiently, even when we mess up. So I think you're like a huge part of encouragement is getting over ourselves and not being afraid to trip over our own feet when we are trying to be faithful. Yeah, that's really good. And And you said something really, I mean, all of that was really good, but like just realizing I don't have to have the words like, and don't be Job's friends, like what you were saying earlier. Let's just Mm -hmm. keep your mouth shut and saying, you know, I don't know what to say in this moment, but you know what? Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Boom. Right there. I can Mm -hmm. tell you that's some Mm -hmm. of the most powerful and important ministry that you can Mm -hmm. have. And, and I mean, I think, you know, it's, it, it confesses to the person that you're walking beside. I'm not claiming to have all the answers to this. I'm not a professional Christian. I mean, yes, I, I mean, my husband is a professional Christian technically if he's a pastor, right? But that doesn't mean that he's not a sinner. It doesn't mean that he has learned every single area of how to counsel someone. So I think giving our permission to be honest with people about, you know, I really want to be able to encourage you. I think if we have our eyes set on, you know, if Hebrews, Hebrews talks over and over about how Christ is the better promise and the better reward and the better hope. Um, If you ever struggle to understand better encouragement, just read the book of Hebrews. You don't need my book, but read the book of Hebrews over and over. And it is so crystal clear on all of the warnings about don't neglect such a great salvation. Don't fall away from the truth because we have such a better hope of salvation. And so if my hope is in conquering this sin over here, or my hope is in losing weight or my hope is in having better friends or friends that have kids my age or having enough money to buy the house that I like, then my hope is always going to be unstable, shifting, disappearing. I don't need people to encourage me to think that if I just save longer, I can go on a Disney vacation. I need people to tell me, what is your hope in life and death, Lindsay? What is it? And then be able to answer me biblically, not with, this Instagrammer or this product that I can sell you for the low, low price of $9.99. I need people to say, your only hope in life and in death is Jesus. And let me explain to you how that plays out and when you're really hurting in this area. And if maybe I don't need to explain, maybe I just need to sit with you and tell you I'm praying for you or pray with you right now. But like I'll frequently, um, I'll, I'll text people Bible verses and not in a way that's like, hey, let me teach you the the five points of this sermon series, but just to say, like, if I know that they're going through a hard time, somebody in the body or a friend that lives out of state, um, and the Lord brings them to mind, I'll ask the Lord, Lord, what scripture can I pray for them right now? And the Lord will put a scripture on my heart. I will text it to them and say, Hey, I don't know what's going on with your day today, but I just wanted you to know the Lord put the scripture on my heart. I'm praying for you right now. That is so powerful. When, when you receive a text like that, and you know that the Lord has put you on someone else's heart and that they are bearing you up, 
before the throne of God, like that's way better than sending even like a gift card for Uber Eats when you're sick, you know? Amen. The Lord has it covered. Mic drop. Yeah. There should be a fire emoji with that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's good. Well, how does uh, how does God's power encourage us? Oh, I, I think God's power encourages us so much because it takes the pressure off of us. We don't have to be the ones to instigate, to say the right words, to make things um, unfold from point A to point Z. We can trust that God's plan is mighty and unfolding and that he knows exactly how to unfold it in our lives. And so with or without whatever we think we need, the powerful Lord is at work on his great behalf. And because he loves us, he is powerfully at work within us, working and willing. And so I think that's so encouraging to me to know that even when I wake up and I feel like a schmuck and I'm like, I don't even really want to get out of bed today. I don't want to do chores today. I don't want to work today. I just want to watch Netflix today. I know that the Lord is willing within me to stir my heart to action, to stir me toward obedience, to help me understand the word when I come to it, to put people in my life, in my path, within the church, to give mm-hmm. me elders that are faithfully praying for me and that will pray for me when I come to them and with need. And those are powerful displays of God's love in my life. And so if I believe, and I, the, the scripture in the Psalms that like, I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is God's power displayed in tangible ways before our face. And I think sometimes we struggle to believe that God is powerfully at work in our lives and encouraging and uplifting and building us up because we haven't noticed it yet. And it doesn't mean if we are God's chosen people and we are walking by faith in the power of the gospel, it doesn't mean that he has not been powerfully working at us because that power opened our eyes to the need for salvation. That power worked a mercy within us to save our souls. So we've already seen such a great display of power. It's just that I think that sometimes we fail to see how that power connects into like the little kind of trivial things. Like I'm really struggling with parenting my kids today. I keep snapping at them and I'm real grouchy. I don't know that the Lord has power for that, which is so silly. But I think that if we believe that God is an all-powerful, mighty God, how much more can he change our hearts and our minds to more to be more pleasing and holy before him? Mm-hmm. He's, his power is able to do all of those things. That's really good. That's really good. So uh, where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise? That is a sneaky question that I think I'm always asking for myself. Um, I'm definitely on Instagram. I'm definitely on Facebook. Uh, I am at a phase in my life where uh, I am being the person that, you know, when I was in my 20s, I was like, I'm not going to be like that person that, you know, falls off the planet on our website. I have a website. You can definitely find me on my website and I will get your emails on my website because that's how you found me, right? But, uh, yeah, Crossway. Yeah. So right. you can find me at my website, which is www.lindsaycarlson.net. And I'm Lindsay with an E. And you can get a hold of me. That's usually where I book speaking engagements and things like that. Um, I think that's where we booked our interview. Um, but uh, you can also reach out 
to Crossway. They are great about connecting. Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook probably the most. I don't do Twitter and I do Instagram and Facebook selectively because I love to spend my time face-to-face with real people. And so um, I love that the internet connects me to so many friends and I get to see the faith of so many people um, increasing and being strengthened. But it is always an ongoing struggle for me to figure out where to put my hand to the plow. And so I'm definitely going to be putting my labors in things that are probably not as much on social media. Yeah. I can't blame you. Well, there's a, there's a lot that we could talk about. And just as we wrap up, uh, do you have any takeaways? Takeaways. Um, I just think it's, it's so it's exciting to see. I mean, how long have you been around in, in the sphere? 22 years. Okay. And how many people have you gotten to sit and be encouraged by? Do you even know? I don't know. Too many. One day you should count because I just think about, um, you know, when people ask how I, like how I got into writing or how I ended up writing this book or whatever, like my takeaway is never like, oh, well, let me tell you how I worked this system and did this thing. It's always because the Lord in his mercy saw fit to find a way to my heart for me to understand the gospel in more tangible ways. And so I'm very aware that when I write, I'm not writing for man. I am writing because it is how I come to know the Lord and how I know his love for me. And so I just think that um, I would want to encourage people like you are clearly like if you've been doing this 20, 22 years or something, you're doing it because you love it and you love the Lord and you want to encourage and equip other people to love the Lord in the way that you love the Lord. And I feel the same way about my ministry. I feel like I'm constantly asking questions about how can I do this more efficiently or how can I do this in a way that better serves my family or how can I do this in a way that reaches the people that it needs to reach? Those are all good and loving questions. But I think that if our eye is on serving and worshiping the Lord because we love him, we will want to encourage and equip the saints. We will want to know them and we will want to be known by them because we believe that the message that we have come to believe is true. And so I am just encouraged that you are faithfully doing this work of ministry and producing um, truth for people to listen to within the church and be equipped. And um, I just, I hope that, that this is a fruitful conversation that bears fruit in someone's life. Well. Wow. Thank you. And I'm encouraged by uh, your encouragement and by the way that you've you've answered this question, the questions that you have. It's been a really great conversation. So, uh, oh, well, thanks. Yeah. And uh, so so we get to practice a little bit for people there. But uh, uh, guys, uh, seriously, Lindsay's book, A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope. You'll be blessed by it. Uh, in addition to reading your Bible as well. You got to add that. But uh, thank you so much, Lindsay, for your ministry and for all the ways that the Lord has at work through you and your husband in the local church it is encouraging uh, to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.